0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by former NBA champion J.R. Smith to discuss his new four-part uninterrupted docuseries titled Redefined J.R. Smith. We'll also discuss his NBA career with the New York Knicks, Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll touch on Carmelo Anthony, J.R. coming into the league out of high school, and more. JR, appreciate you joining us on the pod, and it's an exciting time for you with Prime Video Sports announcing the April fourth premiere uh, and the teaser and everything for Redefined. JR Smith, a four-part uninterrupted docu series following you uh, going back to pursue your college education. You know, for those who don't remember, JR came into the NBA straight out of high school, and uh, you know your new athletic passion, golf, which. I didn't know you could play so it's pretty cool to see um i wanted to Appreciate ask you it, man. thanks for having me thank you my pleasure jay i mean i wanted to ask you what for you what was it like and is like i guess being on a, a college campus at, at this point in your life as as a guy who's been a celebrity and you, you do any house parties
1: <laughs> <laughs> no nah, no house parties man no frat parties and that like that Oh, uh, it's it's fun you know i get to show up on campus and still be you know me outside of uh i guess a student you know and everybody is like you know really fighting when i come around so it's is it's great energy around the campus um it's different though i'll tell you that like hanging hanging around 18 to 21 22 year olds. Is, Definitely a change of, uh, change of gear for me. You know, normally like in a locker room or something, you get a young guy who didn't want it done or something, you know, maybe 19, 20, uh, in, in that case. But, um, it's, it's normally like one or two, you know, on a, on a team of 15 or something like that. But when you surrounded, you're the minority in age, and you're, especially as a student, it's, uh, um, it's fun. I like it. I get to see how the younger generation thinks.
0: Well, I don't know if you got to do any more TikToks because of it, but uh, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> no, <Nah>, definitely not. <laughs> going, going to like North Carolina A&T, I was curious, one, what made you go there? And two, um, you know, this is an opportunity for you to kind of redefine your life in the next phase. What, what are you trying to do in this next phase with this opportunity and what have you learned about yourself?
1: Um, well, for me, uh, Carolina AT had the best liberal studies program. So, and that's what I was really looking to, towards my major, towards African American studies. And, um, you know, so that was like, uh, you know, that was the the, the draw to there opposed to any other HBCU. It was already going to be an HBCU just because I wanted to be around more. Uh, kids of color, and I wanted to in, in, in really embrace and enhance, um, uh, the HBCU experience. Um, uh, I think it's gotten a bad rap over the last, you know, couple of years. of well, it's gotten better in the last couple of years, but, you know, previous to that with Dion and, and some of the guys coaching now, um, it, it just the talent has just left it, uh, you know, our hands and so many kids and including myself, you know, I wasn't even considering HBCU coming out of high school. So, um, just giving them more uh, opportunities and more looks. But, um, for me, originally, like the, th- this whole thing came about just because I wanted to, uh, better myself and, and, and doing that, it just led to a, a great story with. Uh, my insecurities over my education so being there at A&T, A&T being around so many people who want to help you and be well and do well um, it was just like a perfect fit
0: Well you kind of went into my next question which was going to be like what do you think the impact was for you going to an HBCU and I mean I think you kind of hit it on the head is, is there anything about the experience that surprised you?
1: Um, yeah I mean just so many people There's so many young people who look like me, just not on like, you know, uh, I would call it like BS and just really about their business and trying to get better and trying to help one another get better. Uh, You know, coming, going to homecoming was really like an an experience for me because like I lost my grandmother and not. And, you know, when I, when I step on a and I go to homecoming, it's like I inherited like a thousand grandmas. Everyone is feeding you. Everyone wants to see you. Everyone just wants to put their hands on you, touch you, just let you know that they're in support of you. And, you know, that's not a, that's not a, um, I come from a big family and that's still not like a thing that just normally happens in an African American household. So for me, that was an extremely important, um, experience and something I cherish for the rest of my life and I can I can honestly say I'll be there I'll be going to homecoming for a long time
0: anything you can share with the audience about what to expect in the series, um anything that's particularly colorful funny anything maybe like that
1: um I mean just really to me I think just listen, listen and pay attention to my teammates that when they talk uh I think they're a bunch of great individuals um men and women uh and i think they have a great outlook on life so for me i just really wanted to highlight them and uh more than anything if people look at watch my story and try to take anything away anything away from me more than anything i will just tell them to not or not just look at me as an athlete and, and somebody's just going back and playing a different sport look at the the whole story is as, as far as why i did it because my school like my education was really the last thing i was worried about um and for me i think that's uh my insecurities over my education since i was a kid It, it is something i was very um insecure of had a lot of trauma behind and you know more than anything i wanted it could be look like a look like a comeback story more than anything because something that you can be so insecure of and so have so much trauma behind you can, it can be your, your greatest triumph. And if you look at it from that aspect for a person like myself, um, who grew up with so many disabilities around education and comprehension and stuff like that is just, it's, uh, it's a, it's a great look.
0: Well, hopefully it'll inspire others and, and you sharing your story in a, in, a, in, a, in a unique way, tongue twister, going back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, like, I think of you, like, when I was a younger reporter being in, like, MSG in the Knicks locker room, I, I remember you playing, obviously, there. And at, at that time, you know, when the sixth man of the year, I, I think that was probably the best individual year of your career and, and a lot of great times there. I definitely wanted to pick your brain on that a little bit. Um with those Nick years that that you had there, in particular the year when you guys had um, Jason Kidd and all the veteran guys on that team, um, what were some like, story, especially like Mike Woodson, I don't think people realize that Woody's like a pretty funny guy. Um,
1: Woody's hilarious, man. What I do, talked to Woody the other day.
0: What are, and, and he's doing great coaching in Indiana right now. I That's mean, amazing. What what are some of the... Can you share some of, like, the funnier stories, like, behind the scenes with these guys? Like, I, it could be anything from, like, practice to going out to, like, town downtown. Anything that, like, really sticks oh, out man. to you about that
1: group? Man, I remember, so, we used to go, first of all, that was, like, one of the few teams that we used to go everywhere as a team and that, I, that I've been on. Um, Denver, we had a couple guys. New Orleans was a couple guys. Cleveland, it, it was like that, but I've been on a few teams where everybody went to places together. And to see, like, to be walking down the street and you got Rasheed Wallace, Jason Kidd, Melo, like, Amari, Tyson Chandler, like, Raymond Felton, like, literally in a row. And for me, like, I grew up right in the prime age of obviously playing against these dudes, but like, even them being like some of my idols, you know what I'm saying? Like, Jay Kidd and uh, she. So, just hanging out with those dudes, man. I learned so much. And, uh, one thing she and she and Kurt Thomas used to get on me, Marcus be too. They, that used to get on me, especially during that six man year and telling me you no, know, like, there's no way anybody coming off the bench is better than you. And they really instilled that in my head. And I think that was like the biggest, um, you know, like the, 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 the biggest, uh, hurdle, like not hurdle, but like, Push that I needed. When I had vets like that who seen my potential and seen like what I had to bring to the table and to offer to the table to the team, they, they really, you know, I credit a lot of that six man a year award to them. You know, obviously I, I put in the work and going, you know, don't put in the extra work and whatever else, but that, that confidence they put instilled in me every single day was just remarkable. I felt like I was like almost like Tyson dealing with custom model. <laughs> I mean, when I think of that that team, man,
0: I, I mean, look, you've won two titles, obviously with Cleveland, partly with LA um, in that brief stint at the end. But, I mean, that team looked like it could be a finals contender that year with the way you guys were built and rolling. I think Melo was in the MVP convo somewhere there. Um, I mean, for you, like, what stuck out to you about that team and maybe, maybe why it didn't get – a little bit, just like a little bit further. I thought like you guys could have went to minimum, like you know, conference finals, and like when Miami was rolling during that time, and, and, and try to get to the finals.
1: Yeah, I think that was the year. Uh, was that the year Steph uh, hit the fire extinguisher or something and bust his hand? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and J Kid was older at that point. He was kind of wearing. He older. Oh, matter of fact, no, we lost to in Indiana that year.
0: That My was the Roy name, the Roy yeah. Hibbert block was, on Melo. Yeah.
1: They they were playing really well, and I don't think man Stevenson gets enough credit for what he did for that team. Like his his impact on that team was crazy, especially to to, first of all the win in Indiana was tough, and we just like we started running out of gas. I remember I had got the I had got like some type of bug or something like that, and I was dehydrated. I was getting like all types of fluids. And this is the round of time where everybody thought it was like, oh, he's going out all the time. This is like for him going out. And and, um, it really like that. I'm not going to lie. That's the stain for real. Cause I was, I was hot. Because Lance was already younger than me. We both East Coast dudes. He played against my brother and them. So we already had that trash stuff in the summer. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then I would go to UCLA and CPG had that try start. So it was like, it's, I mean, it's, it was good for the, you know, competition, but like, man, I wanted that series so bad, especially because I was on the rise. I felt like that six minute of the year was about to catapult me to start stardom more all-star level type, type of uh, situation. And
0: then after that, I mean, you go on in, in Cleveland and things turn out well for you. You win a title there. You're at the parade, you know, Henny God, all that stuff. I mean, to, for you, what was, to, this is a two-part Polar opposite end of the spectrum question. One, what was it like when you guys won for Cleveland, who had never won anything at that point? Obviously, it was LeBron's mission. And two, I got to ask you about, like, the LeBron meme where he's, like, (laughs) pointing to you. I mean, like, what what goes through your mind when you see that as well? Um, Because it's like a, a dual part of the legacy, I guess, in Cleveland.
1: I mean, I had a great time in Cleveland. I mean, the fans and everybody, my whole experience was, was great, regardless of the meme or not. Uh, winning that championship was something that was, you know, forever be staying in that in the history of, I think, basketball, but especially in the history of Cleveland, especially in the fashion that we did it. Um, that. I, I hate it ended the way it did because I, I feel like that's the only thing people harp on as much as we accomplished over, you know, as a team. And then on top of that, you know, we, we go to four straight with, uh, obviously a dynasty like, uh, Golden State, but then they acquired KD too. So that situation just was like a, a whole different dynamic. And then we lose Kai too. So it was like, you know, so many different variables, but I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for my time in Cleveland. It was, it was a great experience.
0: I mean, listen. I know people will joke with you about the meme, but trust me, you did. You in the title there; it's it's still remembered. I just think for the laughs, because like it's it's such a viral meme. You know what I mean? Like in a way, like you, it helped with the uh, the Twitter culture. But yeah, I mean, when they got KD, uh, you guys had to feel a certain way about that,
1: right? I mean, I think everybody did. The whole league did. I mean, it just didn't. People thought it was going to be bad when. CP went to the Lakers with Kobe and and I mean, when that happened, it was just—I mean, everybody was pretty much playing for second. Like we thought, don't get me wrong. We obviously, you in the he did the battle. We thinking we can we got a chance and we can win. But at the same time, it's just like, what the hell are we supposed to do? (laughs) You look around. You got three Hall of Famers, legit. Like, what are you gonna do?
0: Yeah. And I mean, you can make a case for, you know, obviously Draymond too, clay like hey, that four at that point, even if you, you factor it in. I mean, I, I certainly understand that from your perspective. Um, also, like I know you touched briefly on uh, the Denver years and whatnot, having going out with some of those guys there. What was George Carl like as a coach? Because obviously, you know over the years, like DeMarcus cousins has had stuff to say about him and other people. And obviously he's pretty active on Twitter. He, he has some pretty hot takes once in a while. I, I was just curious what you had thought of him as a coach and a person out there being under him as a player.
1: Um, I don't know how to put this, it wasn't because I thought he was, um, I thought when I first got there, I'm thinking like, Oh, he's a player's coach and this and that, and like, oh he's, he, you know, and I didn't even really know him. Now, this was my first year walking into him. And by the time I was gone, it was just like, Man, I don't if I never seen this dude again, I'm good. Like I just it, it's certain people you vibe and certain people you don't, and it's, it's just like, you know, and I get that, but then it's like certain people who just throw salt into the pot just because they want to, you know what I'm saying? Just to see what the outcome is. And I don't really like stuff like that. So, um, no. I, I I feel a lot of what DeMarcus and a lot of other players are saying. So, I got you. No,
0: that's why I wanted to ask you. I mean, again, you, you were there, you experienced it. I wasn't in a locker room with him and other people weren't.
1: Um, yeah. He, he's not the easiest person to deal with. Well,
0: I mean, You know, speaking of the locker room, I got to ask you, like, obviously being playing with a guy like Carmelo Anthony, a future Hall of Famer and a guy Mm -hmm. you had success with in Denver and the Knicks. What do you what do you think about him being a free agent at this point? And kind of to me, it didn't seem like he got to write his own ticket like when he was going to retire. You know what I mean?
1: Right. yeah, like to me, it's, it's crazy to see that happen to Melo, man, because Melo is like to me has always been one of the most talented people. Individuals I've ever seen. Um, his obviously his talent speaks for itself. So like when I look at when I first seen him being a free agent and not having nowhere to go, and saying now this is a couple of years ago now, and we still talking about him being a free agent. It's like it's crazy because he got so much game. Like it ain't like he, he can't score. He still can score with the of though He still rebounds the ball. Like. when you you see stuff like that happen and it's like, you just got to, I feel like for me, it's, it's it's humbling because I was able to play for so long and and not have the quote unquote name or whatever and still be able to accomplish what I've done. It's like, it just makes me appreciative.
0: Why do you think a lot of times too, teams talk about having like a veteran mentor, right? And guys like Carmelo, even I, I think, like to you, an extent, never got like that type of rep or that opportunity. Even though you'd been in the game and and done things for a long time, do you ever like do you ever wonder about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think about it often, especially when you know new things come up, like your Josh situation and stuff like that. I think like like a vet like Melo was on that team that something like that wouldn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like because he had somebody who's been in that light, who's who's been a superstar, who He can talk to, he can go to, to have those type of conversations and sense. And he's not just a yes man who got their own situation. So when you got like true vets like that uh, around the team, especially around young superstars, like, you know, a job or whoever else is coming up, going through situations on or off the court, I think it can only help the situation.
0: Kind of tying this into your college experience now. When you came into the league as a high schooler, when you look back now, is there anything that you would do differently knowing uh, what you do now? And uh, what lessons did you learn
1: um, in the league? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things I would have done differently. I think um, I think I try not to dwell on that because like, it's easy to, for me to spiral. Um, but there's definitely plenty of things I would have done differently. I don't regret anything I've done just because it's, I feel like it's helped form and shape me to the person I am now you know, and on the uh, but, Um I mean, I'm, again, I'm have been, I've been fortunate, man. I've been, I came into the league at a very young age and was able to stick around, you know, almost like, you know, a decade and a half plus. So it's like that's a that's a blessing for me in its own and to be where I'm at now and still being able to be, you know, quote unquote relevant, I guess. Um, I don't really, I, I try not to dwell on my NBA career that much because, you know, obviously I miss it and it's the game I always love. And I think a lot of us feel like that, even, you know, even Mike, when I talk to him, talking about how much he's missed playing and loving the game. Um, Mike jo- so Michael Jordan, you mean? Yeah, 100%. Like he, like I played golf with him a few times and like you talk about the love and passion you still have for the game and what she can still play and stuff like that. And it's like, you will always have that feeling. You know what I'm saying? So just to know that that'll never go away is, is gratifying because you always going to let the game.
0: No, for sure. I mean, look, you should do what he did. Come back, you know, into a practice at fifty, and uh, you know, drop some. Yeah, buckets. I don't know if
1: I got those jeans, man. I don't know if I. Got, <laughs> I don't know if it like that for me. It might work like that for Blake.
0: And I know, I know, you got to head off in a sec. I just wanted to ask you two other uh, quick questions. One, um, was there ever a point um, after like that kind of brief Lakers stint where you? either had a, a chance at an NBA comeback or thought maybe something was in the cards with a certain team?
1: Yeah, there's plenty of times I thought because I was working out every day in the summertime with, when I was uh, training Chris Johnson and I would see GMs and assistant coaches come check out their guys and come watch the pickups and they'd ask me like, yo, what you doing? You still playing or you still want to play? I'm like, yeah. I was like, you, you know, you contact my people, you know who I'm represented by." and everything and then nothing would happen. So it'd be like, okay, so I don't know. I had anticipation, and I would talk, you know, talk to the trainers and whatnot and talk to my agent, and you know, they, they would, while I would be feeling good and hearing certain things, then nothing would come of me. So. And the last thing
0: I got to ask you, JR, being one of the few, I mean, you look back now with the way things are, you're one of the fewer guys that can speak to this about coming out of high school straight to the NBA. Now, with the new CBA talks and things like that, you know, there seems to be momentum that maybe they go back to that. And, and we've, we've gone away from it where guys either got to go overseas for a year or go to college for a year. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on players potentially being able to go to the NBA out of high school and not? Do you think it's a good thing or a, a bad thing if they should uh, bring that rule back that they can go out of high school?
1: no I think they should be able to go out of high school I think the um I think the players are ready they got the talent they got the ability to to do it so it's not like football where you gotta you know your body really has to develop into that situation like a lot of guys are ready right now for uh for the pro league coming out of high school and you know it's a tooteless situation you got to be ready to I think that's the biggest thing about this, the the thing like that coming out of high school like you have, you have to be able to be willing to teach an uh, 18, 17, 18-year-old. 18 like a lot of, when I was coming out, I don't think it was more, I don't think it was as prevalent to want to teach as as much. But now I think the game has changed and the game has evolved between the workouts and trainings and different situations to where guys are more acceptable to teaching and, and, and trying to make breakthroughs with people opposed to, you know, just expecting them to know everything.
0: Old time will tell on that. But JR, I want to thank you again for coming on a Hoopside Podcast, man. And I'm looking forward uh, to your docuseries coming out on April 4th. Once again, that's redefined. JR Smith. It's gonna be a four part, uninterrupted docuseries following JR as he pursues that college education and his new athletic passion of golf at North Carolina A T. Appreciate you coming on, my man. Good to chat with you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure, brother. I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like it, subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Jr. Too. He's at the Real Jr. Smith. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours. All the best.